Welcome to today's Girl I've Been There Too podcast episode. And today we're talking to Amelie. Amelie means hope, and today's guest is hope personified. Hear her story about how hope and belief in love not only got her through a tough divorce, but helped her find her way back to herself and to finding love again. Welcome to an episode in our Girl, I've Been There Too series. This series profiles our sisters who have been where you are. They know the stress, pain, confusion, relief, anger, and everything in between that you are feeling about divorce because they've been there too. This is real life and real talk because sometimes that's what we really need. They are sharing their experiences so that you too will know that you are not alone, that your grown girl community is behind you, and that you're grown. You got this. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have agreed that you will remain anonymous during today's interview to protect your privacy. But, you know, I want our listeners to connect with you just a bit. So if you can, please share with us just a little bit of information about you, maybe where you're from originally, your general age range, um, and, you know, maybe your education background or profession. Yes. So um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am originally from New York City. I was born and raised there. Uh, all my family's still there. Um, and I, uh, in between 35 and 40, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, and I, uh, am a lawyer. So I, uh, went to undergrad, um, uh, in New York and then moved here to go to law school. Nice. Nice. So tell me, Prior to, you know, your own divorce, which is, of course, the topic of conversation today in our, you know, real life experiences um, for Black women who have the experience of divorce, what did you know um, personally um, or what experiences did you have personally with, with divorce prior to you kind of facing it as your own reality? Um, so it's interesting, like growing up, I didn't know, um, many married couples at all. Uh, I had one married aunt and uncle who are still married to this day. Um, and so it was just like, not a discussion um, at all. And when I was even thinking about, um, getting married because I was in this profession and I'm like looking at like what my life trajectory could be. Um, I was like, man, maybe I should get like a prenup or something. Okay. But everyone around me was like, what? We don't do that. Like they were just like, and I didn't know, right? Like I had no experience. I didn't know anyone who had been divorced. And so I should have consulted someone, but I didn't. I just, you know, I'm like, okay. You went with it. I went with it. Everyone's like, this is a bad idea. Um, and, you know, you may have something later on, but you don't have anything right now. Like, it was just like, just, just shut it down. Like, just shut the conversation down. And I was like, I just went with it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I shouldn't, you know, bring that topic up. Yeah, you know, very interesting to have the experience of being like, 
I don't know anybody other than kind of this set of family members who are married. Here I am about to get married. And a part of me feels like maybe I should do something just in case. But what's so interesting, especially in our community, is we are quick to shut things down and silence that what I think sometimes is our own little voice being like, hey, hey, hey. Right. As a community, we are quick to be like, it's fine. What are you doing? Especially when it comes to things like a prenup or questioning right. the, what I will put in quotes, cultural norms. Right. This is not an you issue. Know, because it's like, it's supposed to last, right? Yeah. Like that's the point. Like, and so don't think about divorce. Don't think about the end. Don't think about that. Right. Um, but for me, my reality was I didn't know anyone that was right. Like I knew one couple yeah. <laughs> that was married. Everyone else was single. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I could get married, but I could also be single again someday. Yes. And but you know, not having anyone to talk to, you're right. Like people shut it down because there's just like this negative stigma, right? Associated right. with divorce and prenups. And so even though like people I'm talking to have never been married, have no experience yes. um, in divorce or, you know, prenups or anything, they're like, absolutely not. We believe in love. We yes. believe in long lasting. Pray on it. Like yes. <laughs> it's going to last. It's all going to work out. <laughs> yes. And yet, and yet, but not. <laughs> my, my little quick soapbox on prenup is we have life insurance, not because we think we're going outside and going to get hit by a bus. We have car insurance for the same reason. It's because we know that things happen and you need a plan and protection. It's the same thing with a prenup, but yet I won't, I won't go down that rabbit hole today, but I do think it's important as a community, especially as professional black women, that yes. we really, really move away from the negative connotation that that surrounds prenups. So circling them back to your own, then what I will call kind of divorce reality coming from a, a space where you didn't know people who had been in the process. How do you think it shaped your own kind of divorce journey as somebody who didn't have a model to look to or know where to really turn? So one, it's like when you are even thinking like, is this the road I'm going to go down? Feeling so isolated, right? Like right. no one, there's no one to really talk to, feeling ashamed, like I failed in some way. Um, and not really knowing what to do. Um, and so I literally was like in, like in my prayer closet, right? Like talking yeah. to myself, <laughs> um, I, for the first time in life, got a therapist. I was like, you know, I feel like I'm going crazy and I don't know what to do with about it. I don't know who to talk to. Um, and that was like the first step, right? Like, okay. She's like, let's go back to the beginning, right? Yes. Like, yes, let's talk about, you know, what was your first indication that this was not going to work? And I was like, going back and like looking step by step, just like with a therapist, I was like, oh my gosh, right? Like, there were so many red flags, so many things. Okay. I was just like so committed, right? Like, I'm in it. It was like the next phase of my life. Like, yeah. I'm with 
person. We had been together um, for a while. My career was started. And so it was like the next step. Yep. And it's interesting um, that like looking back on that, it's like, mm, yeah, you could have sa saved yourself some, some trouble. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you had come here earlier right. <laughs> to talk to me, um, but like going through that with a therapist and just coming to the realization, like this is never going to work. Okay. okay. And, and it was accepting that, right? Like there is nothing you are going to be able to do to change who this person is. Okay. And for you and your own sanity, you have to go. Yes. Ain't that much love in the world. You are going to drive yourself crazy. Like yeah. that's basically like, and literally like I went to her because I felt like I was like going crazy. Like I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I just have all this internal struggle. Um, and like talking to her and she was not, you know, someone diverse. It was um, a, a white therapist. Okay. And feeling comfortable because I, for some reason, I felt like I would be judged talking to um, another black woman about sure. like what I was going through. Sure. Um, and so literally like her just walking me through it all and just getting me to a place of peace where it's just like, there's just like nothing you can do. Like you did not fail. You just cannot change people. Yeah. And for your own sanity, you have to walk away and you have to, it has to be a hard cut, walk away. And you just have to do it. And you just have to do it. So I think a couple of things. One, the fact that you knew I have to get some help because something's off. I'm not feeling right. And, and I need kind of this external help. So then taking that step to say, let me get the help by way of a therapist. And, you know, frankly, we were kind of talking about how there's negative connotations around a divorce and, and prenups. For many of us, getting help and going to a therapist for a very long time has been, right. you know, um, filled with this idea of shame or, you know, I, I need extra help. I would say in the last couple of years because of COVID and some other things, it's kind of changed the narrative around mental health, especially in, in the black community. But here you were recognizing one, I need help. But what I find interesting is that I need to be in a space where I'm not dealing with feeling like I'm being judged and maybe that comes if I'm in a space where there's another, you know, another black woman where I've had the, the opposite, right. Where I know, you know, women who've said I needed to go to someone who looked like me because I needed them to kind of read me in a way that I don't feel others may have been. Mm -hmm. I think I always come away with you find the person that is going to help you navigate no matter what they look like. Right. So you've got to find your person. That's right. And um, for me, it's interesting because, you know, my, my village, my, you know, my board of directors, yes, majority black women, right? Yes. Like these are the people I go to for good counsel, but because of that pre-marriage experience and that, that shutting down of like, even the idea that like the end, right? Like the possibility of the end. Yes. Um, 
I, I felt like if I was going to, you know, talk and be free, I couldn't have that voice inside of me quieted again. Yes. Um, and so I did, I did ask around, um, and it was another black woman, another black, um, female lawyer who recommended this therapist who helped her through a difficult, um, time, um, when she was transitioning out of a real, just a relationship. And I was like, I'm going to try it. Right. Like I, I I don't need any, any piece of that, like intuition that's inside of me being quieted, um, in any way. Like, I just want to be able to like, say it all, <laughs> lay it on, all on the table. Yeah. Um, and then have someone give me um, some advice. And, and you know, it may not have been that experience, right? Because they're all supposed to be neutral third parties. Sure. Um, in these situations. Uh, but for me, because of that prior experience, I just thought that like, this was going to be the best avenue for me. And it ended up being that. And it sounds like it. I think when we think about being at a place, especially when divorce may be on the horizon, it's so important to really step outside of ourselves in some ways to really analyze what's really going to be best. And I say that because you mentioned, you know, your village and we all have that village. However, they may not always be the best to talk about divorce and marriage. And, and it, it, it's ironic because these are the very people that, you know, we rely on, we support and we, and you know, these are our people, right. And, and our girls, but yet, but yet sometimes, sometimes even with the best intentions, um, we find ourselves where our village in the way that it's framed in the way that it looks may not always be the best when dealing with divorce. So identifying the source. So whether it is an external source, like a therapist or, you know, a girlfriend who has the experience of divorce and, and having that reality who can actually be the real kind of support, because we do know that, um, Sometimes your girlfriends are not are not in the the best uh, position to offer the here's what you should do. Um, so what's interesting if you think about it, right? Some of the issues, right? Like some of your deal breakers are not deal breakers for other people. That's right. And I knew that, right? Like you could see someone else's relationship, and they may, you know, like forgive infidelity. Yeah. But for me, that's a deal breaker. Like right. we're done see you later. Right. Um, and so going to someone for advice who has accepted things in their relationship or accepted things in their marriage that you're now saying absolutely not right. can even cause conflict, right? Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, it's just like, well, who, well, who are you? Right. You? Yes. Right. Yes. It, it is even questioning, right? Like some people like even questioning whether you even love that person to begin right. with. That's right. Because you can't accept um, the things that are deal breakers for you. Right. And I'm like, what is a deal breaker for you is not a deal breaker for someone else. And so that it, it's just like going to a neutral third party, someone that knows no history. Yes. <laughs> yes. And is it's their job to set aside whatever personal feelings or thoughts they may have about 
you know, what your deal breakers are and to just listen and help you process, right? Like what you need to do was just like key, right? Because you don't want to feel like, well, maybe, well, maybe my deal breaker is not that big of a deal, right? Like maybe it's not a deal breaker. Maybe this is something I could accept. Right. Um, And that's not what I needed. (laughs) And, and, and that's the thing. It can be very freeing experience um, because this is a very difficult process. And I say difficult, not because the legal process is difficult because in many ways it can be in some ways it's not when I'm talking about difficult, it's really the is this my reality? Am I going down this path of divorce and moving through that transition comes with a lot of self-doubt and questioning and can be very overwhelming. So finding a space where it's, I don't need someone to then question my own questions, right? It's more about helping me kind of understand why I'm questioning and, and what can, if anything, be done about it. Um, so here as a part of, I guess, your process and working through a lot of the questions that you have in therapy, what was the hardest part for you that divorce was inevitable? So um, I had just, uh, had a child. Okay. Um, and so I grew up in a single parent household. All I knew, uh, you know, was, you know, a lot of single women raising children on their own. Um, and it was very hard to accept that there was nothing I was going to be able to do to give my child that, united you know full family um in the home okay um and so you know getting to the place where it's like there's nothing you can do like I know that this you know you want this you know family unit um that's not something that you had or that you know you saw as an example um and I really thought right like I'm going to break the cycle. It's going to be me. Like I'm, you know, breaking barriers, doing all these other great things, um, making my family proud right? Like here. And that's what it was like accepting, like that I didn't fail. Right. Like it wasn't me taking that burden off my shoulders. Yes. Saying this is just how it's going to be. It is what it is. It is what it is. My child's reality is going to be different. Um, uh, then I envisioned the same that, that mine was growing up, um, but different than I envisioned. And that is all going to be okay. Because as long as you are healthy, happy, then you can raise a healthy and happy child. Um, Which at the end of the day is, is what's- really what we want. And <laughs> it doesn't really matter the package and I say that because I know many women struggle with leaving because the thought is 
I don't want my child or my children to be raised as, you know, in a single parent household, or we have all these preconceived notions about what it means to, um, you know, raise everybody under one roof. When in fact, if we remain in a toxic relationship, the impact on the children is so much greater than what it would be if we go into two separate directions and are able to, in our own way, craft a healthy and happy environment. So it, it is a struggle where many women stay for, quote, the children because of all these things that we come to the relationship with and all of these thoughts um, of I'm married, I got to stick it out and, you know, for the long haul and, you know, the vows till death do us part and all the things and then are in a house miserable and those things impact, impact our kids. They just do. That's right. And one of the things that um, she helped me realize, right, is think about that impact and think about whether you want your child to believe that this is how a man should treat a woman. Yes. And this is what a woman should accept. Yes. Yes. That I could, that I struggled with that. I was like, absolutely not. Right. Like, right. Right don't want that you don't want to send the message to your child when you are in a toxic relationship that this is what a relationship looks like yes. this is what a marriage looks like this is how a man treats a woman yes. and this is how and a woman has to accept it yeah when it's toxic that's right you don't want to send that message right like, and I'm like you're right I don't want to send that, that is message. not what I'm trying to do exactly so if that's if that's what being remaining in this marriage and staying in this family unit means is that what you want for your child? It is not. <laughs> it is not. Right. So your child was at what age when you started kind of this process? Um, so it was a, a um, interesting uh, process. So when I finally went forward with it um he was six months okay um, but I had originally filed um I think a year prior okay um so he was little and was little. I asked because many women struggle with how do we tell the children how is their you know lives going to be impacted as a result of the divorce and here you are on the end of having a, a baby and navigating um this process and all that comes with going from one household to two households mm -hmm. so how did you manage then kind of the co-parenting dynamics of a very young child so it was um, very difficult. Um, I was nursing. Um, I was concerned about, you know, where the child would be, whether um, uh, the other parent was going to be responsible during this time. There were all these um, concerns. 
Uh, and when I, I think I was, I was in the hospital (laughs) when I, uh, filed, um, and my spouse had decided to go out of the country uh, and I was having major surgery. So I had to have family fly in. I was like out of surgery, like on the phone, emailing attorneys, like, like, we have to get this because it's, you know, like my family members have the child because I'm in the hospital um, recuperating and I didn't want there to be some, you know, like, you know, come snatch the child at any given um, point. Um, And so I quickly was able to get something on file um, and then really used uh, the security um, at my building as a barrier, right? Because I could not be there, right? Like I could not be the one advocating um, physically. And so that was just like that rough start of the whole process. Okay. So once he came back from out of the country, it's like, oh, I want to, you know, see the child um, and, you know, acting, you know, uh, erratic. Um, And so I quickly had to like set boundaries, right? Like quickly was like, there's now a petition on file we have to wait to see what the court says until there's some determination. Here's, I get out of the hospital on X day. You can come see him anytime you want that I'm home. Um, you can come whenever you want. Um, and so we basically then just set up a schedule like after work for a couple hours, a couple of days a week. Um, and that's basically what it was um, until there was an actual schedule put in place um, in the divorce proceedings. Okay. Or we may have even agreed to a schedule at some point, some like formal schedule at some point once we were actually before a judge, um, before the final petition. And then that's the schedule that got, that got finalized in the end. In the end. And mm-hmm. so really having a young child presents its own kind of dynamics, right? Because you reference things like, I was breastfeeding and, you know, we've got a lot of considerations that are different when you're talking about a six month old than even a six year old and certainly a 16 year old. But I think that what it really comes down to is we know that in some way something has to get sorted out, right? Because we're now moving into a, a different stage of co-parenting and I, and I say co-parenting not because co-parents are um buddy buddy right people oftentimes think of this idea of co means we are <laughs> we're we're all good and, and friendly but I I say co-parent as a reference to we parent this child um together even though our relationship our relationship has has ended Right. And I, you know, I had zero intention of interfering with the relationship or not wanting the relationship to develop. And so I'm like, let's get a schedule in place. Let's figure it out and let's move from there. Um, but yeah, you are right. Uh, I, I see like people who um, uh, now, right, all these years later, I know more people who um have uh, been divorced 
And I see them, um, you know, at football games, at baseball games, and they're talking to the other parent. I was like, oh, so that, that, that's what a, that's what co-parent, like that's when people think of co-parenting. That's what people think of co-parenting. Right? Like, yes. oh, I can pick up the phone. We can, you know, laugh and talk at the baseball game. Yeah. Um, that's what people think of. And that's just like, not the, you know, not the case uh, always. Uh, very true. And I, and I think, you know, the co-parenting relationship has its peaks and valleys. And so many times you may see people who, are at the football game now able to be in the same space. And those are the very people that started off in a very high conflict, you know, situation. But mm -hmm. at some point they were able to find their rhythm and, and find their dynamic because co-parenting and, and understanding the ebbs and flows of co-parenting takes time. And, and by time, I don't just mean, you know, the six months or so after the divorce, I mean years. Um, and, and it's, I think something that we have to really give ourselves grace and patience over because it's new for any and everybody who's gone through a divorce, how their, their co-parenting relation is going to, going to look when you look back though, at, you know, trying to figure out schedules and logistics for co-parenting and, and starting down this road, you know, what is something that you know now that you wish you knew back then? Just in the co-parenting process, um, I believe the idea that it gets easier. Okay. Because I think in the beginning, like, everything, every change to the schedule, like everything is a big deal in the beginning. Yes. Um, and the more you live, the more time that passes, the more things that come up, the more changes that need to be made. Um, and so you may, you know, save yourself some stress, some anxiety, some arguments um, by realizing, right? Like life requires some flexibility. Um, but also responsibility, right? Like right. there is a schedule you need to show up when you are supposed to show up. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, and that's that, like you need to be a co-parent. Right. Um, but at the same time that, you know, life happens um, and there does need to be uh, some, some, flexibil some flexibility. And I hear that like, as your child gets older and older, right that flexibility needs to, you know, um, be, you know, ever more present. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, because so much changes, right? Like your child begins to dictate what the schedule is, depending on outings with friends, depending on what their um, activity schedules are, right? Right. right. Um, and so you, you have to, you know, find some flexibility um, in all of that. Uh, and can save you save yourself some heartache right early yes. on yes um by appreciating that things will change and um I think it's about always remain you know rigid and strict sure and I think it's about finding that balance between boundaries and flexibility mm -hmm. because we have a schedule we want to be able to work 
through that schedule so that we can all plan so that you know we can um have some semblance of structure but mm -hmm. we don't want to be so rigid that mm -hmm. it really starts to become uh, a burden and problematic because as you've referenced things happen and mm -hmm. there will come a time when you yourself needs the co-parent to right. hiccup or to change things around. And, right. and so, you know, I caution women to not lean so hard into, it has to be this schedule all the time. We can never change because life changes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you find yourself at a place where you're so rigid, the moment that you need that favor or that, or that, you know, kind of um, flexibility. Grace and flexibility. It, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's, it's a hard ask when you're now coming to, to ask for a favor and you weren't, you know, able to give it before. When you think about holidays and thinking about figuring out the holidays, I know that that can be a really difficult and sore subject um, for many moms in particular. You know, how do you manage holidays when it's not, say, your year or your holiday? How do you get through it? How do you navigate that time? So I'm far more flexible than my family members. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a big deal for me, for him or her, for the child not to be with me on um, Christmas day. Okay. Uh, because the way the schedule is set up, you get time the day before. So we can celebrate the day before. Okay. Um, or if you have the child on New Year's, I'll just say happy New Year's when I see you, right? Okay. Like, yes. I, same thing like with Thanksgiving. I'm like, Child's just not here this year. Like everyone else struggles with that. Okay. Um, especially because it, you know my family is long distance. Yeah. So they don't get to see him every day. <laughs> yeah. Every day, I do. Yeah. Right. So when I don't, when you know the child's not there on Thanksgiving or Christmas Day, it's not a big deal for me. Right. But it is for them, and so they struggle with that, yeah. and they complain and they hem and haw. Um a lot about that. The one struggle um, I did, I have found over the years though, is, and and my son doesn't struggle. Like he just, he doesn't goes care. Um, <laughs> he just goes with the flow. Um, like, yeah, I get two Christmases. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that like the idea that I am like spending time with my family and the child's not there. Okay. And then I talk about that or pictures or that like, yeah. then we have to have a conversation. Cause like, oh, you went to New York without? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, yes, yes. This is the time when you were, you know, with your dad and, yes. you know, remember like sometimes you were there and sometimes you're here, but it's okay. Cause if you don't see them now, you'll see them next month. And it's that Kids conversation. Kids have FOMO. Kids yeah, have FOMO. They, they do, they do. <laughs> like just pretend like you don't do anything when they're not there That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um but I do wish the one thing that I do wish is that I would have alternated everything 
we did not. There were um, two, uh, Halloween and birthday, where it shared. And every single year, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's an issue. Like, what are the hours? I don't like those hours. Okay. And it's just like, yes, <laughs> you know, it's just every single year. And it, like every year, I'm like, can we just change this to an alternating schedule? No, it's yep. a shared, we will share. <laughs> but, but why do you enjoy this fight every year, right? That's like, right. And then you can never plan anything for the child's birthday if you want to like go away or do something because it's shared yep. and you can't, and shared means shared. Shared <laughs> means shared. Shared means shared. <laughs> um, that's the one that. Yeah, yeah that's the one where I would, uh, looking back, I would have been like, just everything alternating because it just makes it so easy. Like, I know when I have Thanksgiving, yes. I know when I have Christmas, yes. and I can prepare all my family members and their expectations. There, get your mind right. Just, just, <laughs> just get it all right. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting because we don't call each other on the holidays. Okay. Um, and so when it's not my Thanksgiving, when it's not my Christmas, when it's not my New Year's, I don't talk to him on those days. Okay. Um, was that an I, intentional decision yes. or did it just come about? Well, um, so the thought was initially it was, oh, like FaceTime when he was little okay. and then you're trying to figure out like where the person is. Okay. It was just an invasion. Yes. And so then I cut that off. Okay. Um, I was like, no FaceTime. Okay. Um, and then once there was no FaceTime, it was like, oh, he's, you know, too little and yes. this is stupid. Um, because he doesn't remember and it doesn't matter. Um and then it just became, you know, if I can't see see the background, not for me, because I don't care. Um, like if I can't see the background, if I can't FaceTime, yes. um, then you know, it doesn't make sense for me to be calling. Sure. Um well, and I think when we think about what works for everybody, I think those are the things that, you know, evolve over time. And, yep. and the, is it more of a inconvenience and mm -hmm. become a bigger issue with scheduling a, a call and then for how long and is it FaceTime and who's present and are they going to be, you know, in a room by themselves during the call? Background. It's, you know, it's all these things that sometimes maybe it just makes sense to say, okay, look, here's my holiday with you. I'm going to enjoy, love up on you, do all the things. You're going to go with the other parent and, you know, I'll touch base with you when it's my next time again. Because I do think that sometimes as parents, there's this real need to feel like I had this touch point on a specific day or but it 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 can be anxiety producing and stressful and and it ruins the day I'll right. give my two Especially like having to hear the voice of the person that you really don't like like no uh, like that's not what the holidays is that about. is not what the holiday is about <laughs> the holiday is about like people you love and people you do want to talk yes. to yes um, and I do believe that like, as the child gets older, right? Like 14, I'm making that phone call to say, you know, right. Merry Christmas, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I'm doing it on my own. Right. And so there's no intervening mom in that situation. That's right. right. It's just you doing your thing, stay keeping your own touch points. 
Um, and I don't know, like, I think that that's like something that will eventually happen, but maybe not, right? Like if it's like, this is my time with mom and this is my time with dad, um, mom is always going to be okay with that. Right. I, I think you just have to find your, your rhythm and, and, and space listening to you and, and talking about going to therapy and really moving through this process and, and figuring out how to navigate this process and then discussions on co-parenting and how that has evolved. What do you think you learned about yourself throughout all of this? Um, I think the greatest thing that I learned is that Once I don't trust a person, I don't trust a person. Okay. That is it. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, it, this, that has made things difficult because I don't trust the other parent. Okay. Um, over uh, the, the years, not being able to just believe what you say yes um is hard as a parent um and so although I don't trust what he says to me I have I've had to over the years trust that my child is safe with him okay which is hard and weird and like interesting to reconcile so I have peace and I'm not concerned. No, I'm no longer concerned when he's not with me and he's with the other parent because I have peace that my child is safe at the same time that I don't trust the other parent generally. Um, so <laughs> uh, that, that was just interesting because normally like if you look at my friend and family relationships, um, I've been able to forgive and regain trust um but I guess no one else has cut me so deep so (laughs) so there's that but there's that (laughs) but reaching that level of peace where it's about your child and knowing on some level that my child is safe and so long as I can hold on to that everything else can you know, be thrown by the wayside. Um, so getting to that point is huge. It's important because there are, I know people who are in relationships where they are there for safe because they're like, I, I cannot trust that my child will be safe with the other parent when I'm not there. Yeah. Um, and I was like, at some point, right? Like you have to, right? Like if there has been no evidence of abuse or anything that would give you any genuine concerns about their safety, you have to trust that that just like you would lay your life on the line, that that other parents won't lay their life on the line before they would allow someone to hurt your child. Um, I'm you going to, to you will never have peace. You will, you will never, never have, have peace. peace. But I'm going to say something controversial and shocking, which is. Mm-hmm you have to look at it from the perspective of what would a court do if mm-hmm. you were to die? Mm-hmm. And if 
that other parent is living, breathing, and there has not been a termination of parental rights, which is a full legal process, that's where those children are going. And, and as scary as that is, and as upsetting as that is for many women to hear, that's the reality. That is and the so reality. on some level, you have to get to the point of saying, okay, I have to get around whatever it is that, that's concerning me, one, but two, identify truly what's concerning you and then try what you can to set up necessary parameters that are realistic. But right. you can't just have the general, I don't trust the person, I don't, that's not gonna go anywhere, right. right? Right. And so you have to be able to identify something as specific as saying, I'm concerned that they drink too much. And so we've got drinking and driving issue. Great, we have an action item. We can right. put things in place to keep the children safe. Right. But kind of that general, I just don't trust that they're gonna do what, you know, um, do right by the children or run the house like I run it. Well, listen, I'll be the first to admit that I'm sure that if my husband and I were to get divorced, the first thing he would say is she's going to feed the McDonald's five days a week. And that <laughs> might be true. <laughs> I'm going to say, because, you know, cooking is not my ministry and I'm okay with that. But I say that because I think sometimes, you know, we find ourselves wrapped up in these ideas of fear and what that means. And it manifests itself in ways that often are not realized. So mm -hmm. finding how you can come to peace with, I know that on some level, the children will be safe when they are not with me. And if they are not, here's the specific reason and here are the things that we can hopefully put in place to do that. And listen, they may not, and that may be one person in particular, I'm thinking, right? Like my children will not have a home cooked meal, right? right. Like again, husband is in, like McDonald's. They, they McDonald's, but they are going to eat like, period. they are not going to starve, period, nope. right? And that's the concern. Will they starve? No, they're not going to starve. That's right. That's right. You have <laughs> so to identify, need, right? Like, yes, you're not going to starve. That's right. You have to identify the root of the issue and then find an, an action. So all of those things that you have kind of processed and gone through and, and learned, how has going through a divorce shaped your thinking about relationships going forward? Um, so I worked long and hard to make sure that it would not. Um, yes. I stayed in therapy, right? It didn't end with the decision to file um, the divorce petition and to, to move forward with it. Um, it was a long-term process to make sure that I was okay, that I healed and I did not let this toxic experience shape my view of men, relationships, marriage going forward. Um, and so I took time, right, to heal to figure myself out, to 
you know, do become, the work. to do the work, right? Like I, it was, it was not overnight. Yeah. Um, and you know, this was four and a half years ago. I am now remarried, um, happily to a wonderful man. Um, and life has gone on. Um, and I have not let that experience steal my joy going forward. I love it. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your experience with us and allowing us to hear real life experience and journey and process because we started out the conversation where you said it was lonely and isolating. And the goal of these conversations is really to let other women know that we've been there too. Yeah. And we know what you're going through and we are here in, in the way that we can be. And so I appreciate you, you know, sharing your story with us today. Absolutely. And whole on the other side, because that's some of the fear, right? Like that you won't be whole on the other side, um, but you can and will uh, be whole again, for sure. So thank you so much. Uh, for having me. Um, I, you know, really appreciate being able to share if it would, you know, help one person. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.